Hey, Sean, how you doing? Good yourself? Good. Sean Duffy's visiting me here in uh, Burlington, Vermont, and we have Hector uh, joining us tonight as well. Andrew Wall is traveling in um, UK, QuickBooks Connect London right now, so we miss Andrew. Hope he's having a great time, uh, but it's great to have Sean here with us, and uh, uh, Hector should be joining here shortly as well. Um, I'll be I'll be listening, guys. I'm not set up yet to be in front of a camera. I haven't put my camera face on yet. So there you uh, go. That's no problem. That's no problem. But you can you can. It sounds like you can talk and hear us, Hector. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. That sounds great. Well, um, so Sean, we had a great dinner tonight. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Yeah. I gotta say, I uh, I came down to see you to get away from the snow, but there's just as much snow outside as, as back <laughs> home. So. I think I think I'm gonna to have to make buddies with Hector and see if I can get myself to Miami for a weekend. There you go. Yeah, it is <laughs> it is definitely warmer and um, probably a lot more fun um, outside where uh, Hector is. <laughs> I think so. But yeah, we had a good time. Uh, Michael showed me around Burlington, great place. Anybody has a chance, I highly recommend it. We had a, we had a great dinner. Yeah, any of you fun. guys can come visit visit me that are watching. I know you hardcore fans come up to Burlington, Vermont anytime especially in the summer or fall, it's really nice, but we get pretty lonely here in the winter. So um, if you want to, uh, if you want to come visit, visit me, me and my family, feel free. So we had a great, great night out and uh, Sean came down with his girlfriend, which got to hang out. So it was a lot of fun and we'll get some dinner with uh, Shannon. We're kidless this weekend. So that was, all, that was, that was been great. Um, so yeah, a lot of stuff to talk about tonight. Um, a lot of, a lot of, yeah, a lot of, a lot of juicy happening. controversials. Yes, a lot happened this week um, in accounting news. Um, but I think I think one of the primary things we want to talk about tonight, uh, this is one of Hector's ideas, was differentiating yourself from the crowd. Differentiating yourself from the crowd. So, how do you different you differentiate yourself? Um, your service offering primarily. How do you differentiate your service offering? Your product offering from the crowd, from what everybody else is doing. And so maybe to kick off, um, just kind of on this topic is, you know, there are many um, entrepreneurs or small business owners out there when they start their business, um, they have a me too business, right? I call it a me too business, not no pun intended with the me too movement whatsoever, um, but it's a me too business. So it's a business that is providing a service or product that, is like the next door neighbor's business service or product. So if you think of most restaurants, you know, most mm -hmm. restaurants, most mm -hmm. uh, fast food chains, most car repair shops, um, these are all, you know, most clothing stores. These are all things that have to exist, right? Which are in, and they need to exist to provide basic necessities for life and commerce, a gas station, right? A me too gas station. Mm -hmm. um, and then, uh, so obviously there's businesses out there that are me too businesses. So if you want to start, for example, uh, a franchise, you can go start a subway and be a franchisee or franchise or whatever you call it and yeah. serve sandwiches. And you're not really going to differentiate yourself. You're leveraging the brand of subway and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, so that would kind of be a, not a way of differentiating yourself, but it's still a, a way to build a successful practice or business. Tonight, we want to talk about actually differentiating yourself. So what are the practices or what are the methods in which you actually come to the market with something that's different than the crowd 
It doesn't have to be unique, right? We're not talking about being unique, although that could be some, somebody's answer, but we're talking about what differentiates you from your competition and your competition could be local, regional, national, global. Right. So, so all those things are in the play. So um, maybe kick us off, Sean, what are your, some of your, your thoughts as we wait for Hector to get on as well around differentiating yourself from the crowd? Um, well, it's, it's, it's a great subject for tonight. Um, it's absolutely difficult, especially if you start off with, with the thought of saying, well, me too. I also want to get into, you know, in our case, online accounting, right? <laughs> so there's a few online accounts um, and we're all basically doing the same thing, right? Which is uh, helping, you know, small, medium-sized businesses, owner-operating businesses or solopreneurs get to a point where, um, you know, you can, you are taking care of their bookkeeping, you know, their end-to-end -end bookkeeping or whatever it is, payables, receivables. Um, from there, how are, how do you, how do you make yourself different from others? Uh, could be, um, you know, in our case, for the most part, it, it would be, um, in the services, uh, rendered, right? So in our case, we're, we're very keen. We're very eager to show our clients how they can derive, um, the right information at the right time with, um, some of our knowledge, but also with maybe some of the tools that, that we use that we plug in, for example, to, um, QuickBooks. So that would help us, you know, um, help them look at better, better uh, budgeting, forecasting, uh, key performance indicators for the businesses. So these are all tools, um, and, and things that help us, uh, position ourselves a little bit differently from other bookkeeping firms. Um, and so that's, that's maybe one example right there. That's great. That, that, that's helped us differentiate ourselves from, from other firms. So what we would call maybe uh, to summarize like virtual CFO services on a, on a small scale. Um, but that's something that's repeatable and scalable. Okay. Yeah. So, so you're differentiating in that way. So it sounds like it's service offering, like what Correct. Kind of yeah. specifically the service offering. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. a good way of putting it. Yeah. 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 So, you know, another um, way that we found, um, differentiate our services is, you know, um, even though we kind of fall in the realm of this cloud accounting um, uh, firm, you'll often find that the, the highest majority, 90, 95% of the firms in your town or your state actually aren't offering this service at all. Correct. Right. Yeah. So the fact that you're even offering anything on the cloud remote service is yeah. very unique or differentiator um, for you. Another way to differentiate yourself could be uh, based on how you are pricing, right? Sure. So most, many of us um, in cloud accounting are being encouraged to differentiate ourselves by offering services um, either on a fixed monthly fee or by practicing value pricing methods. Very true. And those are ways to differentiate yourself yeah. and stand you out from the crowd who might be majority of which are doing time and material building. Billing, right. right? Yeah. Um, and so pricing is another, uh, another method or another, another differentiator. Um, I think, I think one of the ways that we've tried to differentiate ourselves at receipt bank is to, or at um, <laughs> receipt bank, that's not my company at all. At, at reconciled uh, is to, uh, is to standardize our offering um, in the sense of here are the two or three software platforms that we are going to be, um, that we are going to be uh, serving our customers with. Right. 
And here are the two or three software platforms. And we are going to differentiate those by offering you this mix of software platforms we're going to serve you yeah. on. Um, and then pricing that in a way in which the customer gets both the service and those software platforms in one uh, flat monthly fee per right. month. Um, Hector, what are your, some of your thoughts about differentiating? Sure. I'd like to add another angle. Hey, Sean, how are you? You're welcome to come down to Miami anytime. Thank you, um, sir. I, I would offer you my house, but I don't have room. But, you know, there's an air, you can do some Airbnb nearby. <laughs> of course. Look um, forward to it. So, yeah, the, the temperature is really wonderful over here. So um, I, I like to take a different point of view. Uh, you guys are talking about so one of the ways to be different is to be slightly better than everyone else. Mm -hmm. And that's and that's what you guys are describing. I would take a much more radical spin to that. I would say that you want to be so differentiated that you're saying no the majority of times. That's kind of when you know uh, you're getting there. So let me explain that. Interesting. If you take a very unique position about the type of client that you take, maybe the industry, maybe the size of the customer, maybe the, the, the specific type of problem that you solve, maybe the, the current state of the client, you know, in terms of their whether they're growing or mature or somewhere in the middle. If you take a very tight position in terms of what is it that you do, what will you put on earth to solve? You're going to find yourself saying no to a lot of these referrals more often than you say yes. You see, right. in accounting, we are blessed and cursed with the concept of automatic business, right? Mm -hmm. It's automatic business because customers are too lazy to change accountants because they don't <laughs> want to. That's, that's true, right? Because that's true. That's very true. It, like for people to change accountants, you really have to mistreat them. Like, Really, and uh, and it's and you have to cross the line so many times. We better go. That's it. I'm changing accountants. It doesn't happen very often because people don't want to explain their financial situation over again. So a lot of accountants that are doing really just enough work, compliance work, enough to get by. You know, really not low quality, but just undifferentiated. They get the business automatically, and that's a curse because it doesn't push us to innovate, change, and be different. I think the other problem is that if you call yourself an accountant, that means you follow accounting rules. And accounting rules are not dynamic. They're pretty, I mean, there's some gray area here and there, but for the most part, they're pretty tight, right? They, they have a specific guardrails in terms of what you can do and you can't do. So technically, the accounting profession uh, with a CPA licensing and some of the certified bookkeeping, licensing, and all that stuff. It's actually meant for everybody to be the same. It's almost like uh, the, the profession itself is designed around anti-differentiation, correct? You, right. you, yes. you, yeah. you, you never think about uh, asking another accountant for a second opinion. You ask doctors for second opinion. In many cases, you ask lawyers for second opinion. But, but, but most of the times, the one accountant that has an opinion that's the opinion and people don't challenge right. it too much. So, and the reason for that is because the industry has bred a, a whole slew of yes men and yes women, you know, a whole bunch of people that just say yes or no to the same thing over and over. And it, it is because we follow accounting rules. Now, I don't think that anyone should break the rules in order to be different. Like you shouldn't do anything unethical or, you know, or cheat on, or cheat on the taxes or report more or less income than you're supposed to. Not in the actual work product. You know, I, I, I feel 
the work product needs to be respected and there needs to be a certain type of standard. But it's how you deliver it that can make you different. And and I don't think, and you were talking about earlier about, you know, d- different and unique and, 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 and whether, you know, should you be different, should you be unique? I personally think that you should be unique. I think that different is better than better, period. Different is better than better. Because you always remember folks that, uh, that did something good, but then you forget when somebody did it slightly better. But if something, someone's different and unique, you don't forget them. So I would advocate for that search of uniqueness rather for the search of being slightly better than the rest. Yeah, yeah. you know, um, I think in another way to think about this, um, I think another way maybe to think about this is uh, there's obviously um, the reality of uh, in the profession, um, people need to get their, let's say, for example, taxes. I don't do taxes, but let's just talk about taxes. And there's probably a baseline amount of, of people where the tax return is the tax return is the tax return. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's, 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 there's a standardization process in which they would go through a tax return. Um, and those tax returns would probably be a very, very high commodity, low, you know, low profit margin kind of work. Um, and they still need to get their return done. Right, yeah. they still need to get it done. They still need to get submitted to the IRS, and how they get it done is there's multiple choices, uh, and most people are doing DIY in that case, for that matter. Um, so in that sense, you want it done. You just want to get it done and quickly and efficiently. Um, what, how I've seen firms, and how we, I think we'd like to say that we've tried to position ourselves is, hey, we're gonna um, take you through a an experience that's unique. Um, we're not going to say it's better in the sense that it's actually better. We're just going to say it's what you're going to get at Reconciled, and it puts us in a different position than what you're going to experience somewhere else. Um, and I've actually met firms that actually name that experience, right? They mm. either call it the, they, they'll call it the, let's, let's, your firm blueprint, they'll call it, we're going to take you through the blue, blueprint proven experience yeah. or the blueprint experience, and it's got five steps. Here are the five steps. Um, and a customer says, wow, that's not something that's been offered at any other firm I've been to. Correct. They don't have a blueprint experience. You've got a blueprint experience. And the blueprint mm-hmm. experience literally could be, we onboarded you to receive bank. We onboarded yeah. you to QBO, right? It's, no trade secrets. No Michael. trade secrets no. here. But because you're naming, because you're, you actually gave a name to yeah. the experience, yeah. um, it's very unique. It, it's, it, I would say, it's actually uh, a unique way of positioning it like movie theaters. Yeah. A movie theater is a movie theater, movie theater. Now, what do they do? They, they, they do certain things like AMC or Regal or other major ones. They call it, they have a name for that experience. That movie is, you're there to watch the movie. It's the same yeah, movie. Yeah, well said. It's true. You might, yeah. But you might get a little different experience that yeah. they've now branded, um, or they might have better seats or whatever. Uh, and as Hector said, okay, get an experience that totally makes you have to say no to a ton of different people. That's, yeah. that's, that, that, that is really, I think is really, really interesting and unique. Um, but I still do think there's ways in which you can differentiate yourself by recrafting the customer experience um, so that the customers that want to journey or experience that or go through that process with you um, 
is is something that they're demanding for, clamoring for, and that the ones you turn away aren't people who necessarily are want that or are demanding. For Correct. That. Yeah. What do you think about that, Johnny? I think it's true, and, and uh, just to build off that and build off uh, what Hector said about saying no or saying yes to certain clients, but mostly saying no is, for example, us at Blueprint. I think a way that we differentiate ourselves is exactly that we don't say yes to everyone and it's we're not it's about being a good fit as well and we pride ourselves on what i consider a pretty good professional network and so um and what i mean by that is for example we're we're slowly moving away from from taxes and why wouldn't i want to say no to a, a lead a prospect or even an existing client say you know what it's not my specialty. There's no value for, for you, for me doing taxes. I'm just going to compile them, right? I could be a yes man and just say, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll do your tax return, no problem. But then what, is that, what does that client leader prospect then get out of that? Like, does he get tax guidance? Does he get tax strategy, dividends versus salary? There's none of that's happening for him. So it's not our specialty. So it's also about, about uh, differentiating yourself and having confidence and saying no, but also uh, having a good network that you can refer that client out to and ensuring that the client also lives maybe like an extended blueprint experience in this case, mm -hmm. right? So that's my differentiating strategy in that sense as well, because that client will either he's an existing bookkeeping client or he'll come back and be a bookkeeping client or he'll refer me other bookkeeping clients because, you know, honesty is the best policy and transparency and all that. And, you know, another example I could give about differentiating ourselves in our professional network is, um, just a recent example, I, we had a, a, a lead that was um, an American-based business and as appetizing as it is, it is not our market. So it's totally okay to differentiate yourself in that manner and say, you know what, it's not for me, but here are a number of firms that I, I deal with that are in the U.S. that are best positioned to help you. And so I believe in a sense that's a pretty strong differentiating factor is building out your network and, and helping get, get, get that client leader prospect to that to that specialty that you don't provide. Mm. So it's also about knowing yourself, right? Knowing what your services are and knowing the extent of, of, of what you can can deliver. That's great. That was really, really great. So um, yeah, this, this, this has been a really great conversation about differentiation. Um, but again, uh, you know, I, I, I see what Hector is saying, but I still think there is a reality of, um, in your town or where you think where you believe you're serving your customers uh you might be able to differentiate just by uh being a step or two or three or four ahead of sure of yeah. the people around yeah. you being right? a strong local presence right being a strong local presence and um and providing that because it's just not even being providing that town so right so you know you might be the only uh you might be the only family physician in your area and if you're the only fan of physician you basically get your pick of well the litter you, of the litter you, yeah. you get to serve the you know because in differentiation is not less is 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 important but it's you are different because you're the only one there right, right. it's a yeah. very, very interesting um to think about um and so i guess defining also who are you differentiating yourself from Right. who your competition is, is a kind of a really important thing right. to do. So um, one of the, uh, one of the things, um, 
one of the things I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on, Sean, because mm-hmm. I haven't talked to you a whole lot about this yet at all. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, I wanted I wanted I wanted to hear your thoughts about. Um, we talked a little bit about it um, in the past few episodes, and it's been the big news right okay. in the accounting industry, and um, it's been this concept that that Intuit is quote unquote testing called QuickBooks Live or should sure. be live. Yeah. Um, and it's a, you know, it's a big announcement, right? It's not, it's not like, it's a game. Changer. It's a game. It's not like a new startup no. is announcing we've built a new platform or we're going to do cash basis bookkeeping in it, or we're going to provide assisted bookkeeping or right. we're testing something. This is the, the software company, the mothership yep. that dot that at least dominates the Americas mm-hmm. um, and is, and is growing fast and across the world. Yeah. Um, so when you first heard about QB Live's announcement, what was your initial kind of thoughts um, that came to mind in um, regards to it? Fear. <laughs> was, it really, was it really fear? <laughs> Intimidation, <laughs> being bullied. <laughs> uh, no, so, uh, I was curious, like, what is it exactly? Like, have we still, now that, that Hector is here online, hey Hector, <laughs> have we defined what it is exactly is it right like um i think the best definition i got from it was from my friend jacob uh that was able to explore it really in depth and he came back and said you know what it's a glorified um you know qb assistant for do-it-yourselfers or owner operators that are actually doing their bookkeeping and that need very specific assistance for very specific needs, you know, like um, I'm not sure how to do a journal entry to equity or shareholder draws or something like that. Like yeah. they're just, or just journal entries, right? Like most people are uncomfortable with journal. So entries. kind of like so, you're saying is like, like it's like steroids, uh, customer support on steroids, correct? QBO, yeah. but with I, real bookkeepers. Somewhere. I did say that, didn't I? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Customer, yeah. Customer service on steroids. Right. And so from there, um, you, you know, what's interesting about that is that, has has owner operators of, of firms or ourselves what does that tell us well if the base price for you know customer service on steroids is now 200 bucks you know well what can we now think of in terms of a service um delivery pricing for basic bookkeeping right like that's the whole 200 dollars market has been you know lifted up from under our feet like it's done right we can't touch it we, we can't compete with intuit for that right so um those are kind of my first thoughts they're unfinished thoughts it's still very the, fresh the right thoughts, like, yeah and it's a mix of a lot of our discussions so mm-hmm. i don't want to hijack any of your ideas around it but uh um yeah that's right hector any additional thoughts about differentiation and then also how this announcement potentially um, helps us differentiate or causes us to need to re to think about this topic of differentiation. Yeah, that's a good one. So I, I think that into it, getting into the bookkeeping business, whether it happens or not, uh, will actually help us differentiate. And I'm going to explain to you within which context. Okay. I am a tax preparer and I love the fact that H&R block exists because H&R block is the magic word I can use to use as contrast, you know, like, like, Mm. like anytime that you go to like a, not a fancy shoe place, but I would say like 
sort of mid-high shoe place, the salesperson will say, this is not payless shoes. You know, mm-hmm. so, so instead of panicking, the payless shoes came into the market to sell shoes for 25 bucks. If anything, the existence of this standard big company, you know, big evil faceless company offering this mass services that are probably not going to be close to the level of personalization that we can provide is what helps us differentiate. So because right now we have to compare ourselves and pin ourselves against other uh, bookkeepers, right? So right now when somebody is comparing pricing or quality or, or, or outcome or whatever, they're comparing you to another local human being with a small practice that is certified in QuickBooks just like you. It, it all looks very similar. But now we have a much different point of comparison and we can say, look, we're not going to be like the QuickBooks bookkeeping service where, where you know, you're going to get a different person each time. They have no idea who you are or remember, you know, the reasons why you started the business in the first place. And I do remember and I will remember because I ask you about it all the time, because when I see you, I hug you and I ask you about your mm-hmm. kids. And as much as a big company can try to do that, it's just not scalable. So I think Intuit will learn that this is a very difficult business and they will probably uh, go back and continue doing it, but 100% leveraged by the accountants in the community. So right. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't jump ship and say, oh, I'm going to switch to another software company because Intuit, this and that. No, if, if anything, just, just wait for it. Right? It'll come back to you. If you know you provide value, if your customers give you a check and you say thank you, and they come back and say, no, thank you. That will never be replaced by anything else. Um, mm. Now, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, the landscape could change. Technology can change. Business can change. Money can change. Banking, blockchain. I mean, there's so many questions out there about you know, what does commerce look like 30 years from now? We don't know. Very exciting to, to think about and to you know, try to be a futurist and try to guess it. But in the short term, any big company getting into the bookkeeping business, H&R Block offers bookkeeping. Nobody ever made, nobody, no, uh, no one ever made a big fuss about that. You ever <laughs> heard of someone that gets their books done in H&R Block? No. I didn't even know no. that was a thing. Yeah. No, they actually, they actually um, I heard they shut it down. They actually, should, they couldn't make it work. Yeah. Well, okay. So, so, yeah. so I, I, I wasn't aware of whether it was still yeah. going on, but that's probably what happened, right? They realized that that's a very difficult business to do in a mass, in a mass multi-million multi-million number of customers type of way you know so like there isn't that many national bookkeeping companies if you think about it how many companies other than reconciled right which is world famous but how many big companies <laughs> how, how many big national bookkeeping companies like an h&r block like a stanley steamer like That's a subway the there isn't no there, there isn't, isn't. Yeah. Bookkeeping is a relationship business, yeah. which happens to be done through journal entries, but it, right. it's a, it's, it's a relationship business. Right. It's the fact that we're doing accounting is completely inconsequential. It's just, it just happens to be the circumstances which, in which we were hired, but people hire a bookkeeper keeper because the, the person looks, looks and feels responsible. And I want to, offload the responsibilities for me doing it to the bookkeeper doing it. And people hire bookkeepers, not for their skills is for their perception of their responsibility. Can they do it? Can they take it off my hands? So I don't have to think about it. 
And that's something that's very difficult to do as a large company. Yeah, no, that's really great. I mean, one of the things I think about in this whole play um, of differentiation for Intuit, right? When you think about differentiation for Intuit as a big company um, is Intuit's been known as the uh, primary accounting software provider behind QuickBooks, right? And behind TurboTax, right? So you think about the, the, the most well-known brand names in small business and consumer tax, it is uh, TurboTax and QuickBooks, right? They're the, they're, the, they're the brand and the big name behind it. Now they got to think through how do they continue to con- keep continuing to empower and serve the small business customer um, in QuickBooks case? How do they continue to serve their needs and how do they continue to make to provide value um, in, through QuickBooks and through QuickBooks Online, which mm-hmm. is the offering that they're trying to grow. Um, so in my mind, naturally, providing additional services um, or products through that platform, which they've not been shy to share about, right? They're, they're providing loans, access to loans. They're providing insurance. Uh, they're, they're, they're providing um, yeah, workers' comp insurance through payroll. They're providing payroll services. Um, they are attaching us to apps, right? Apps in, in the QuickBooks app ecosystem. Um, they're trying to find ways to differentiate themselves. And um, I, you know, I want to, I want, let's say, I want to give the benefit of the doubt to Intuit and say, okay, let's, let's think about the way they differentiate themselves as a piece of software in that mm-hmm. they find a way, think mm-hmm. about, you know, think about the benefit, the benefit they find a way to quickly match up a QBO user to a, assuming they figure this out, to a really good local or remote bookkeeper, mm-hmm. a really good one. Let's just say they figure out how to do that. That's a differentiator yeah. for a accounting software to actually not just matchmake you, not like just like give you a directory that you have to yeah. go vet the people yourself right? Where I have to go search the pro advisor directory and vet right now. That's the way it works now. Yeah. I have to go vet this list. Yeah. I don't know who, I might not know what a pro advisor is. I don't know anything, Correct. but if Intuit actually is able to provide the service somehow and actually get me to qualified people that they've, they're paying and they're, yeah. they've hired and they're paying, which means they want the quality to probably be good. That's inter- that's an interesting idea to me, yeah. and would be di- a big differentiator for a piece of software to actually do that. Right. So that's that's what goes through my mind, and w- and it would keep or at least increase the longevity of their user base mm-hmm. inside to stay in QuickBooks. Yeah. Um, that you know, I, I, you know, as you were saying that, I was thinking about something that I've never used before: uh, dating apps. Okay. Yes. Uh, yeah, I've never never used them before. I don't know. Full disclaimer. Full disclaimer. Never full disclaimer. I was married by the time those things came out. So, um, you know, but they tell me. You know, my friends tell me. So there's you know swipe left and swipe right, right? And there are so many different dating apps, and the way they differentiate themselves is their matchmaking engine. Correct. Mm-hmm. If you actually if you actually watch the TV commercials on these uh, matchmaking apps. You know, they're not about, we're gonna find the two best looking people and match them together, right? No. So if you're a 10, I match you with a 10. They, they don't say that. They say our, our engine behind the scenes thinks about, you know, wh- what you wanna do with your life and then how the other counterpart complements you because we did a personality check, blah, blah, blah. 
that's right. kind of what people want. People people right. want to mm-hmm. people want to save the time of trial and error, right? Right. Uh, you know, most of the times, what we fear is trial and error. Like even if somebody tells you, you know, like let's say you're you're drafting your own document, right? And you know that you should hire an attorney for this. You sh- you know you should because you're drafting your own document. But if somebody tells you go, you know, call my lawyer. He's great. He'll draft it for you. Most of the times we are not afraid of paying the lawyer. We're afraid of paying the lawyer. And what if it doesn't work or what if it didn't come out the way I want it to? So what people want is shortcuts to the sure thing. And people are willing to pay for that. Right. You don't need an app to meet a soulmate. Like what do you have to do? You have to go to bars, go to restaurants, meet people. Mm -hmm. You, You have to do a lot of work to find the right person. It's the same thing with a service provider, right? Really? So, yeah. so, so if into I think if Intuit or any big software company wants to really hit it big, look into the psychology of why people go to dating apps and how can you make that That's level huge. of matchmaking in the business world, B two B, business professional to business professional. What are the two types of businesses that complement each other in such a great way that matching them up? it's much, much more valuable than, you know, the cost of the subscription or the matchmaking. Think about career builder and monster, right? I don't know if you guys remember, uh, those were- No, are they still around? (laughs) Exactly, they're not around anymore. But there was a a point in time where if you didn't have your resume in monster, you were were not in the job market, right? (laughs) Or if if you're a business that didn't have the job offering in monster or career builder, you were not in the job market. What did Indeed do? Indeed really changed the game. Indeed said, instead of charging you $1,000 to post a job, we're going to charge you per match, right? And we're going to charge you a high dollar amount depending on the relevancy of match. I know because mm-hmm. I've posted, I posted jobs mm-hmm. in Indeed. So the, the more narrow you do a search in Indeed, you know, the more filters you do, whether the filter is you know, through the words or the skills or whatever, the higher the per match cost is, right? So they almost use an, a, a, a bidding auction system to get you quality information, not quantity. And, right. and you know, if you think about um, the amount of free information that's out there in the internet, like so much free information in, in Google and in YouTube, and there's still folks that pay $1,000, $2,000 for these programs, right, that teach you, how to do whatever is this is information right. products, but people buy them because they trust the curator, right? right? They trust the person that says, I am going to give you this 10 book summaries, which you can read on your own or you can research on your own, but I'm going to give them to you in this summarized way in this specific order. And that's how you're going to gain the specific information that you want. So this concept of curation of data or getting you a shortcut straight to what you're looking for I think it's going to be the future. Yeah, yeah. That, that's really great. Leave thoughts on super interesting. Uh, I love I, I I love this topic. It's it's timely. It's 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 worth talking about. Um, how to like? I'll give you an example. Uh, we uh, we always ask our prospects for leads. How did you find us? And today, actually, we had a phone call. And uh, just to build on what Hector was saying and, and matchmaking and and um, and Michael. Um, so she found us on LinkedIn and then looked us up on 
Facebook, I think she saw that we were both connections. And then when her messages saw that we had actually previously messaged about something completely like one year earlier, right? And it's, and it's true, like people are always looking for that extra bit of connection, right? And, and if, we can, if we can bridge that or if Intuit can find a way to bridge that and, and, and so forth. And you know where she ultimately ended up, but she looked for us on ProAdvisor and she found this. So it was just all these dots, but she spent maybe you know, 10, 15, 20 minutes of her valuable time uh, to ensure that we were, you know, credible accountants in the Ottawa area. And so she decided to give us a call and hopefully we can, we can close her. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 it's a very, very, um, it, it would, it right. would be totally awesome. And that, and that yeah. process took time, like you said, it was took, valuable time. time out of her yeah. day, right? Right. But it's important. It's very important. And I don't know that I would have gone to that extent, but probably like when I, when I looked up a lawyer recently, like we went through quite a bit of search and referrals and do you know this person? And we looked them up and we looked at, you know, press releases and are we sure it's the person we want to deal with? It's valuable. Absolutely. Right. It's right. all about uh, specialization and, and who, you know, right. Like, um, you know, I want to make sure I get the best value uh, out of a lawyer that I can for my money and uh, for that specific purpose that we needed that lawyer. Yeah, I, 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 it'll be interesting to see how Intuit deals with or thinks through the buying habits, the buying behavior, mm -hmm. the buying pattern of a small business owner when they when I when I when they choose an accountant or they choose yeah. a bookkeeper. Yeah. Even though there obviously more and more people are are open to finding that person online, I have no data around this, but I would assume that and I would guess that the majority of people still are going through very traditional buying habits when choosing their counter bookkeeper. Mm -hmm. And what is that? They ask people they trust already. Yeah. Well, who do you thanks. use? Who does your taxes? Yeah. Who does your books? Are they good? Uh, do you trust them? Yeah. Right. There's very and not just for accounts. There's other service providers. I would probably there's probably five or six that are in that realm. Attorney accountants, yeah. your doctor, yeah. your psychologist, right? All trust businesses. They're right? all trust businesses. Or relationship businesses, yeah. like Hector said. Yeah. And so it'll be interesting to see if, um, how Intuit figures out the trust gap. I like calling that the trust gap, right? How do, can they close the trust gap because the trust is already there in their software and they're banking on that trust gap being there right. for service? Um, or really, is it really not going to really make that big of a blip in the market? Because people, the idea of choosing your accountant through software mm. or be, it being given to you in software is still so foreign that most people will default to, Hey, who are you using? Who do you know? Yeah. Who do you know? Right. Yeah. Who do you trust? Yeah. Um, and that trust gap really fits in a pretty small circle of, of people, oh, you know, yeah. Right. And it's still very local, right? It's like, still very local. Like yeah. Hector said it best. I've never thought about it. Is there really a national accounting service? And <laughs> keeping it's it's true. Like a, a lot of a lot of what we're saying, even if even like just to go back to differentiation, um, you know, a way to differentiate itself is say, you know, uh, we are you know the best bookkeeping slash accounting business or bookkeepers in Ottawa, right? That's a differentiator. I'm local. You can trust me. And, you know, as much as we love having clients all over Canada, most of our clients are in Ottawa. So, right. you know, it's, it's a local trust relationship business.
Right. And, Absolutely. and the reality is even if you marketed as much as you could in Vancouver, because you're not there, the yeah. Vancouver firm is still going to get more customers than you. Correct. In many ways, they're just going to. Absolutely. Because they're in Vancouver. There's yeah. a vicinity issue around that trust gap. That's what it is. I, I, have, a, I have a different take on distance. Um, hmm. I find that people get a little bit excited about the exotic effect of having an outside expert working with you. Uh, and I get that quite a bit, actually. I, I would say that 95% of our business is not within driving distance of, of our office. Okay, really? now the reason, I mean, the, the, the way we market, I mean, we're marketing to right. in, in YouTube, so it doesn't get any more global than that. But I think that when folks look at the local accountant nearby, and that, that person could be a superstar, and then they look at this person that is some, in some other city that I found them because I was attracted to what they're doing. I think the exotic factor plays into the fact that I went out and found a specialist, right? Right. And, 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 and well, you are this, quite exotic, Hector. I mean, I am very Michael much. and I are quite <laughs> amused by your exotic. Uh, very very much. I, I think yeah, I, I do. I do have the edge on that side. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but I, I think it does happen. And, and, um, and I had people call and they want a, a whole implementation and they say, look, why don't you travel up here? Or they ask, do you travel? And I say, right. well, I, 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 I immediately, I say, I usually don't, you know, like you gotta take it away. I I'm even more exotic that I'm not, I don't even want to go to like Cincinnati or whatever it is that these people are from, right. Somewhere in the middle of the United States. So, um, so when they feel that it's like even more difficult to get the specialists to come over, they want them even more. So I'll say something like, look, I can send my top consultant out there uh, who, who, who does the travel and I can be available during the implementation for mm -hmm. any second opinion. And that, that whole thing just sounds much more attractive than the person that was you know, a mile away from your house all along. I don't understand why also, because I tell people, look, you know, tell me where you are and I'll try to see if I know someone in the vicinity they're like no mm -hmm. i think i want to work i think i want to work with you and I, th I i think being a specialist and being found in that way you know being found because you're looking for that person that will solve your problem and your first hit wasn't a local person it mm -hmm. gives people this this feeling that if i want to get good i have to seek outside of my geographic area even mm -hmm. if you're in new york or san francisco or Houston, you know, where all the talented people uh, tend to move to, right? Because people tend to move to the bigger, bigger cities, uh, you know, the, as people want to scale up and, and grow their businesses, they tend in quote unquote, move to the bigger cities. It's not always the case. Like, you know, there's a lot of people I admire that are super, super specialists and they tend to live on like really on the boondocks um, and, and they can afford to do so because they're being, they're being, requested they're not out there searching for the business they're being requested mm -hmm. because they put themselves in this really narrow narrow box where people say well when i have this specific problem that looks and feels in this shape way or form there's only one person in the world that's that does this and just this and that's why the differentiation and specialization will actually uh, help you find clients outside of your vicinity I will help you get even better clients and clients that want to work with you and you only because they will never see you as a commodity. Hmm. <laughs>
that's interesting that's really, yeah that's really 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 interesting yeah that I, I i think i think about it makes me think about um when you talk about specialization it makes me think about like we were talking about dermatologists earlier right <laughs> so if you have skin cancer right you don't want just the best person in your area you want the best person in the world mm -hmm. okay so when you th i i think distance the trust gap for distance is 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 definitely um there's a huge bridge over it when specialization is there specialization is almost like the bridge over the trust gap or the bridge over distance mm, that's because because you want the best um skin cancer doctor or dermatologist in the world you don't want just the best in your town or your state you want the best in the world the one that will give you the edge on your your performance or your 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 uh, recovery or whatever um so you bring up a good point here there hector um think about if a customer were to ask you uh okay i think i want to work with you what are the top three traits that you have that makes you the perfect person geography shouldn't be one of them right right, right. proximity and geography is not a skill no no, I just, right. yeah, that's just like, I happen to exist near you. That shouldn't right. be a strength, right? Right, true, right. right. That's really, that's, that's, um, that's true. That's, that's really interesting. So, um, and, and, and Michael, you wanted to talk a little bit about, did you guys talk about Buttkeeper at all? When, when, uh, you no, said, that was, that was a topic was, uh, we were, we were talking about the announcement of QB Live. That, and then let's, we, let's yeah. make a transition to that. Cause I think, yeah. I think we, I think we can make it work. Yeah. Well, the, the audience will be the judge to, of that. <laughs> but there, there's a company, by the way, there's multiple companies out there that right. promise that promise the, the artificial the, intelligence. Right. Yeah. Artificial intelligence is here. Right. Um, this app does a whole bunch of magic behind the scenes. It's truly black magic. And that's why it's so exciting. Because exotic, right? Uh, right? That's why it's so exciting. You're going to put the paper in this hole. And out comes this magical classification and, and accounting, right? So there's a couple of apps that are that, that kind of have that title. Like Hopduck is one of them. Uh, Receipt Bank is another one of them. Auto Entry is another one of them. And one right. called Buttkeeper. Now, right. the first three, I have great respect for all those three apps. They came out and said, we have AI, but they never hit the fact that it was combined with some human element. Right. Correct. They never never hit it. Right. They said it's AI-ish, right? It's AI-ish. Right. It's getting yeah, right. there. We're we're gonna cup we're coupling it with actual people that are revising it. And we're making sure we get to the point where the computer gets to like 99% accuracy. And at that point, we won't need human people anymore. Right. Now, a company called Buttkeeper, they came out and they hit every single conference last year, 2018, and their promise is that these are robots, right? And, and, and I don't know, and I don't know the people, but I don't know if this is you know, borderline a scam to get more investors excited because when you say blockchain or AI, people just throw money at you for no reason, right? So I don't know if it had something to do with the strategy of getting investors, but I think they weren't clear about the fact that they got some technology, but it's probably even way behind these other apps that I mentioned. And they're using mostly call center and mostly people to do this. Because technically, if you outsource it to the Philippines or India or whatever, it's that they're outsourcing, 
that whole outsource element may be cheaper than developing the actual technology. And they, may get the ex- and they may get the exact same output out of it. So they can simply just call it a bot. And if you don't see it, right? In my country, they say, a heart that doesn't see, heart that doesn't weep, right? It just means that if you don't see it, it doesn't, it doesn't bother you. But, but then what happened is a disgruntled employee apparently was fired or something. And they started posting in all the comments of all the major accounting firms, you know, you know bot keepers scam. They, they have a call center, this and that. I like to give them the benefit of the doubt that this is, you know, part, you know, fabricated, part true. But right. the reality is AI, it's a thing that's being developed. AI is, cannot replace any human being right now. It just can't. It can't. Right. Not in our profession. Right, because you cannot replace judgment. I don't think computers will ever get to judgment. Computers could be programmed probabilistically to make decisions based on the past. And they can, you know, they can probably load every single court case in the computer and say, hey, you know, when in doubt, do a mathematical calculation and do an average of all human decisions ever recorded. And the computers could probably get to some sort of decision but it's still not judgment. Judgment is raw and judgment is circumstantial and judgment is human and subjective. And I believe that only human beings can exert true, true judgment. So the promise of having computers replace us, uh, it's kind of, you know, it's, it's right. going to happen, but not the way that they're advertising it. Like the app is here, but keeper, so I, I'm I'm very very upset, generally speaking, that they weren't upfront with that, and now they're playing the PR game. Now they're trying to say, well, there's some truth to that. You know, I'm sorry that you know we weren't clear; it wasn't our intention, and 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 that should be a warning to all the apps out there that are promising that this is all AI. With what they're really doing is outsourcing, and to me, not disclosing outsource to me is an ethical problem. Because there's a lot of, nothing against other countries, but generally speaking, I don't want my tax return to leave my office, you know, (laughs) my office. So you got to tell me, so like go all the way across the world, right? Hmm. Right, right. You you know, so there's going to be eyes on it and there's going to be eyes on all that information. Yeah, exactly. Right. That's right. So, yeah. yeah, And I think you're talking about differentiation, Hector, the three, the, the apps we all are familiar with that show up at QuickBooks Connect, show up at all the accounting conferences. None of them promise to replace us. None of them promise, none of them actually, you know, um, I've used these apps, right? We're big users of these apps at my firm. None of them promise to replace accountants and bookkeepers. They say, we actually want to empower you to do more work. We want to empower you to be more efficient. We want to empower you so that you're not just doing redundant data entry work all the time, but you're actually able to do more stuff. We will empower you to take on more clients. Um, I think the message from these quasi quote unquote AI services is that, like you said, they're robots, they are software, and that there is very little, if not no human element, there is no accountant behind it. Uh, And what I don't appreciate is the lack of transparency around the fact that no, it's actually just a really fully stocked um, cheap labor center mm-hmm. that is overseas with people who are, you know, good people, not, none of them, not speaking bad about the people working in these centers. They're trying to do hard work, but just be very transparent about that, that you are 
providing a service um, with cheap labor to the market and don't try to reframe the word AI or some other thing when it's not that at all. Um, and so, and then come to market and say, we're actually going to replace you bookkeepers. We're actually going to replace you um, because we're not using humans. We're using AI, which is faster. And no, frankly, you're using human, you're using a lot more humans that are cheaper and they're able to work longer hours because they're working in shifts 24 hours a day. Um, and they're working in eight hour shifts, three shifts a, a day. So that's where I think that a lot of the industry and a lot of, um, uh, of our peers have gotten upset to say, what are you, are you trying to sell a snake oil? What's, you know, what's going on here? Just be transparent about it and don't be ashamed that you're using overseas workers. If that's your intention, just be very honest about that and be transparent about that. Challenge well, because, you. because there were, so, so. Rolling, somehow trying to tie this to differentiation, right? What yeah. they were trying to do, deceptively so, it, is differentiate outsourcing, right? That's what they did. Right? Right. They said, right. they said the, the word outsourcing is a commodity because everybody talks about it because you can't go an hour in LinkedIn without getting 17 messages from different about people off, offering you outsources, uh, outsourcing services. So they were, they're selling an outsource service masked as a robotic thing. Now, the big question is, Buttkeeper, I was looking at their prices, they're not that much less expensive than what an outsource service would be. So the big question is, and this will be maybe in the last couple of minutes we have until before we wrap up, what do you guys think is the appeal of robots? Like, why would a customer say, oh, I could have outsourced this for 200 bucks, but now I got this robot that has no human that can do it for the same price, and that's more appealing. There's something appealing about that to the customers. What is it about the fact that a computer's doing it and not a human being's doing it? If it's the same price, that's more appealing, or is is there is there is something? Yeah, I I think. Well, when you go, Sean, what do you think would be more appealing? If there is, I mean, we're making a big assumption that it would be. I'm actually going to argue that maybe some people find it more appealing, but I would argue most people don't find that more appealing but right yeah, yeah. i feel um well first I, mean, of all, I, I, I could draw the analogy sean if you feel i'll draw this analogy sure. i've had plenty of ladies that come help me like once a month or twice a month <laughs> that don't work with me anymore the one i want to describe and that person spent more time talking than cleaning like it was talking <laughs> the whole time chit chat right. and my wife is like i can't deal with this person just talking <laughs> the whole time so in that particular case i probably would have preferred a robot <laughs> but, but so, so, so I know that there are cases in which people yes. are just looking for a, a job to be done and they don't want to deal with a human being messing up. The one reason why I hired this person, which is strictly to get the job done, not to deal with the person that's dealing with the job. So does that have any effect? Sean, sorry, I didn't want to interrupt you, but they don't no, want sure. the idea to drop. What do you think? It, does that play a factor or is it something else? I want to first preface this by uh, I love drama. Like, <laughs> I, I love it, and I, and I love I, I and and I love that it's happening in our industry. Um, it's great spectator sport in that sense. <laughs> um, yeah, everything you guys said, right? Deception. Um, it's not honest. There's what about security, right? When I send a document halfway around the world, 
I think we, we, we've we all explored, you know, what it means to outsource if these are state of the art facilities, uh, airport grade security or better, excellent staff. Um, none of that's an issue. It's just, I want to have that decision either as a client or as a firm when I outsource, right. like, I don't want somebody going behind my back and doing it. Like that's, that's part of, you know, it's treachery. It's, it's, it's trickery. I don't like that. Um, why is it appealing is, is the question, right? I couldn't, I, I'm at a loss for words, like whether it's appealing, like you do it yourself or you pay someone else to do it for you. Um, I think it's, we, we joked a lot about the word exotic. I think it's, it's exotic in that sense. You know, the fact of, of, I get to play in, in, in the bot world and the AI world and the machine learning world, or I knowingly or unknowingly get to outsource my work to the Philippines. This is so great. I'm now part of the world economy as a small business owner or owner operator of, of you know, some business like we, we named, you know, in the middle of the United States in Ohio. It's super cool. It's exciting. Again, it's, it's, yeah, I'm at a loss for words of how these things get traction and, and well, I, you know, I, I think so my thought is this is, the majority of entrepreneurs don't know how to define for you what good bookkeeping service should be. Very well They're said. not in the profession. Very true. They're not in the profession. We are. I would argue a lot but of bookkeepers couldn't even answer that, couldn't right? answer that question. They at couldn't all. even say, hey, like, so, you should expect so this, this. Think of how many small businesses there are just in America alone, you know, in both US and Canada. Okay. And they're out there with their options. So now you have a whole generation of people who have never interacted with an accountant and now they're starting a business. And they've got to get their books done. They're going to do the same buying decision habits they've done with everything else up to that point. And so if somebody's in their mid twenties, what have they done? Subscription services have all been automated. They've never had to interact with a human. It's all been DIY and self-help, right? Netflix, Dropbox, Google, all that's all those things. Yeah. All those things they're used to interacting with, uh, Snapchat, Facebook. I don't call I don't call anybody to deal with Snapchat troubleshooting or Facebook troubleshooting or Twitter. You do it yourself. You yeah. you you feel like you're wasting your time. Yeah. You you yeah. feel empowered. Yeah. So in this sense, the appeal would be well, uh, th this must be the way you're supposed to do bookkeeping. The robot, mm. the software does it, mm. right? I did I didn't know a human was supposed to do it. Um, could it also be yeah. could it also be the variability effect? Yeah, you know, like yeah. like for example, like the Roombas. Like you guys have you ever heard of the Roomba? I don't think the Roombas clean anything. It's just, I think it just moves around. It's basically. Just, <laughs> I have one, and I can confirm that's what it does. It, it, the cat it's, plays it's, with it, and it, it, it's just a toy. So I, I I'm pretty sure that most Roomba buyers have bought seven different versions of Roomba because maybe the next one actually does something. So the money you invest. The money you invested in the Roomba, you probably could have invested in like some course that helps you, teaches you how to clean it yourself in like less time than the Roomba takes to do the whole loop. So then realize that it doesn't do anything. So is it, is, is it the appeal that if a computer does it, somehow it, there's no variability, right? Yeah, I guess if you if you have something to compare it to, yes. So if you're the user who's who's used accountants and bookkeepers, and you're like, oh, it doesn't seem to be a consistent quality experience. Right. Maybe the software will 
this robot yeah. or the software will be better, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and it ties back to what you were saying earlier that the, the, the work that we provide, the tax return, the financial statements, the clean books, the reconciled books, that it's probably not going to be able to be differentiated because we're running under a standard, right? But mm-hmm. the only thing that we should consider differentiating is the experience. That's it's what it is. Mm-hmm. It's, it's why people go to movies, isn't it? Right. I mean, people go to movies, like you, there's no outcome in movies, you know, like <laughs> the only thing, the only outcome in movies is that you spend two hours that you will never get back. That's the only true <laughs> outcome, right? Because you were sitting down, you were not doing any actual work. Nothing really was being produced at the moment. You were just staring at a screen, listening, watching, and thinking for two hours. So what people paid for is the experience. So there is an, a there is a market for people feeling good about spending time doing something. And if you, as a professional, can provide that element of it, you know, the, I don't. It I'm not saying accounting related. It, 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 accounting. It, yeah. it ha, accounting happens to be the craft right. in which I express my art. And yes. you can experience my art. It just happens to be accounting. But I think this concept of the experience economy, it's here now. Yes. And folks, and folks are getting, and, and that's what people are looking for. They're looking for more of that experience. And look at, you know, all these subscription services like Netflix and stuff like that. None of these things have any, they're not, they don't have any utility effect, right? Like people say, oh, I'm going to quit cable. Uh, because I'm going to get Netflix and I'm going to save in cable fees. Well, well, now you have to pay more in internet, right? You have to get faster internet. You have to maybe pay uh, Netflix to handle multiple screens because you have people. So all of a sudden the, the, the cost don't really vary that much. So the incentive of price is not really there as much as the, the, the incentive to have a different experience. And I think that's experience that the key of differentiation. That would be an interesting topic next time next week is, what are the unique experiences that we could craft hmm. as accounting professionals for our customers? What would be an amazing, wild experience that we could craft for our customers and they could say, I have never experienced accounting in that way um, with anybody yeah. ever before. That would be a very interesting thing to kind of brainstorm and think yeah. about. And, and to preface, it doesn't have to be, the experience doesn't have to be wild it could be like Uber, like it's a nice thing. Right. Uber is not a wild. It's not a wild experience. It's a it's a very efficient experience. experience. Right? Right. You take out the phone. You know they're three minutes away. You press a button. You get in the car. You're out. You don't have to take out your wallet. So not all experiences are about, you know, the wide. Wow. It could be pers- consistent or efficient. The perceptions, yeah. Yeah. It, the experience could could also be reducing it. You know, like the concept of replacing my cleaner lady for one that doesn't talk that much, right? That that could be the experience. The experience is not all, all, always utilitarian. Sometimes it's just simpler, easier. I don't have to. I don't have to think as much. You know mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a good topic for next week. Yeah, that's a great topic for next week. Well, with that, we'll say good night. Thanks, Hector. It's been great, Sean. Thanks for joining us here. Thank you, gentlemen. Thanks for having me. <laughs> How do you guys get Zoom to make it look like you guys are next to each other? <laughs> we're like, definitely next like to we're each other. Like, <laughs> we're like getting okay, us okay. like, each other just to show that you're actually like together. I'm like, there you go. Okay. All, All right. right. Good night, guys. Good Bye. Night.